We are Wrestling Elitist here to present you with the most important award show in the history of wrestling, the Nobel Peace Prize, Carper Genius Grant Award, Nickelodeon's Kids' Choice Awards, all of them pieces of fucking shit compared to the Elites. <laughs> Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> so we are Hell very yeah. pleased and pleasured and honored to award these prestigious uh, 15-inch trophies uh, to, I don't even know, 15-inch, I don't know where the fuck I got that from, but we are very <laughs> honored to present these awards to uh, some of the most outstanding uh, professional wrestlers in all, all elite wrestling. So we have 11 categories that we're going to run down and discuss. Each of us are going to share um, what the award is, who we are giving that award to, and then we'll have a little bit of discussion with that as well. So I want to start off right at the top with Wrestler of the Year, and as a site and podcast, we came up with Kenny Omega, and here are some of the things that led us to this uh, award for Kenny Omega. So first of which, started off the year uh, having a fantastic four-star match with Ray Phoenix, had some four-star matches with um, the Good Bros and the Young Bucks in some trios matches, um, even had a great uh, four-star match in the barbed wire match with Moxie before all the silliness at the end. Uh, so he had some fantastic in-ring work too. And then from a kayfabe standpoint, he had the gimmick of the belt collector and won the top title in Impact and uh, AAA. Um, and just he was the focal point of the promotion throughout the year. Uh, the highlights are, depending on how you look at it, either the match against Danielson that went 30 minutes at Arthur Ashe or the coronation of Hangman at full gear. Uh, most impressive to all of us was the fact that Kenny had vertigo during this and was injured as hell and had to completely alter his ring style um, as he was dealing with those ailments and issues. He had such a fantastic year that if he decided to retire, this would be a great year to go out on. Uh, and he had nothing to uh, be ashamed about in terms of his in-ring effort. So, uh, for men's wrestler of the year, Kenny Omega wins this, I believe, in a landslide. Surprise, surprise. Who would have thought? Of course it's Kenny Omega. I mean, Hangman had a good rise, but the year was in the reins of Kenny Omega, no doubt. The the Bell Collector gimmick was fantastic. His heel heelish tendencies were top-notch, and the matches were, like normal, beyond great. Yeah, he was great. The fact that he did it all while both injured and also just not healthy with the vertigo stuff. And then uh, looking at some of the matches that he had, think about how disappointed uh, us three were prior to All Out with the fact that it wasn't going to be Hangman. And then they had the match with Christian on Rampage where Christian won the uh, Impact title. Uh, and then that, and that was a great match. And then they followed it up with a really, really good All Out match. And uh, the fact that he was able to, uh, not that I think he has to carry Christian, but like the fact that like we were able to see what we saw in that match with Christian uh, is a testament to how great Kenny is. The fact that like I didn't feel like I was missing anything with with All Out with not having Hangman there by the time that that whole show closed. Um, absolutely an incredible effort by him, and I I'm not sure who else could have really carried the company as, as the top person when there wasn't fans there uh at least i don't think anybody really could have done it much better than kenny i think he him turning heel at the time was was a good choice uh him and callus was a great pairing and um you know as much as i love mox i think mox is somebody that you know really feeds off the fans being there and everything like that so 
when Kenny took the belt. And I know that they had some fans there by that point. Um, I think that he just really made the show a little bit better in terms of being being that heel that was holding the top title until we got the fans back. So then we could have that baby face win for Hangman. So like uh, like Sean said, no surprises here. Uh, this was when I sent my original list over as we were kind of figuring out who we thought should get the award. This was one of two or three uh, awards that I did not expect any pushback at all on. Definitely, definitely. And for the women's side, the the women's wrestler of the year, say it with me, guys. We all went with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, finger taps, because this was definitely the year of dentistry. She completely took over AEW. There's not a not a person in the world who can deny her her probably like at the peak of AEW currently. Um uh, we have CM Punk saying that she should be one of the pillars of uh, AEW. She got the title in May at Double or Nothing. Um, she notably defended it against Nyla Rose, had a good story kind of with Red Velvet, Chris Statlander, Ruby Soho, and just most recently Ty Conti. Um, there was some great matches with Thunder Rosa, won the the beach break or beach bash, whatever they called it. And then we had the uh, the unsanctioned lights out match, just fantastic. Even um, she had a kind of high profile match with the, that wrestler that they got in from Japan, Stardom, Miki Ito or whatever it was with a tag team match with Thunder Rosa and Riho. Just... There's no doubt that she was the women's wrestler of the year. There was some been some great additions to the AEW women's roster, and they've all fallen to her. So may the dental master reign. Yep, and yeah. uh, totally agree. And I think that reign has not gone the least bit stale. And I think they could make her a face and keep her fresh and go on that route, or they could keep her heel for six to nine months and no one would have a problem with it. That character is so strong and uh, we love her work. Brit's Brit's been fantastic in seeing how much she's she's come into her own since joining AEW. Uh, from kind of at first having a little bit of that Roman Reigns feel of like people felt like she was being forced as the top women's star and everything like that. So then when she did turn heel and pairing her with Tony Schiavone, those two are just the best when they're together. Um, yeah, I. I I honestly struggle to think that we'll be here at this time next year, giving this award to somebody else, not because the women's roster isn't capable, but because Brit's just been on fire and I don't really know when she's going to lose her title uh, or to who it could be. Um, You know, we've talked about hopefully Ember Moon comes in and, and ends up, you know, potentially being a challenger, but I don't even want that to be right away. I want that to be a nice build. So uh, this was the year of the dentist for sure. Um, Moving on to uh, match of the year, so this this was another one that we had a unanimous uh, no no uh, no qualms about it from anybody, uh, and it was the Lucha Brothers defeating the Young Bucks at All Out 2021. Uh, this was the first article that was written on our on our website. Chris wrote the first five star match review, and uh, you know I think that when you look back at that match. Uh, one thing that everybody talks about with the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers is that they complain that there's not enough storytelling with them or they're, you know, uh, all they care about are their spots and everything like that. And uh, this match proved that they can do that. They can still tell a story. And I think it did a really good job of kind of covering the fact that these two uh, teams both prefer that tornado tag style. So it gave a reason to have them 
all battling at the same time and doing these crazy spots and everything like that because they were inside the cage. Um, you know, I think that it's it the the Lucha Brothers haven't had the greatest um like reign since then just because they haven't had a chance to really defend the titles too much. And this match was so good that I'm like I'm craving more from them in in the same vein. But absolutely incredible story that they told. Uh, very bloody match. Um, you know, anytime the uh, the Young Bucks get a chance to bring out the uh, thumbtacks, they're going to do it. And, um, you know, looking forward to seeing uh, how how this gets topped next year. I've talked about it before. I didn't really know that I enjoyed tag team matches until I stopped really watching only WWE when I started going around and watching indie wrestling and stuff like that. So I'm really excited as somebody who has become a big fan of uh tag team matches to see match of the year be a, a tag team match yeah uh it's crazy to see someone put uh probably 150 so thumbtacks on a pair of uh travis scott fragment air jordan ones that are like over three thousand five hundred dollars that's an insane blow of money that you'll never wear but i mean it's a, it's a cool thing it was such a great match it, the that match had no business being as great as it was it was doomed from the beginning putting a tag team in a cage it just doesn't work but these two can two teams can make anything work when it comes to tornado style or just all out mayhem when it comes to m- more than two men in in the ring so undoubtedly undoubtedly match of the year yeah, uh, I thought they peaked at exactly the right time, um, and the fans were dying to see the Bucks drop the belt, and it came right at a time when it um, wasn't going to be go-away heat either. So everything peaked perfectly um, and culminated exactly the way that the fans wanted to see it. So going into what the pay-per-view of the year was, um, a lot of folks would look at All Out versus Full Gear. They both were 1A and 1B. We decided to go with All Out as a group and wanted to talk a little bit about why we did that. So just to run down that card again. Um, so, yes, we had the best match of the year. And also, too, in fairness, probably one of the best or the best cage match of all time and certainly one of the greatest tag matches of all time. It wasn't just a five-star match. It was a uh, maybe a five-star and beyond match. Um, but then from there, uh, with All Out, we had Miro and Kingston, which is a forgotten four-star classic. Suzuki coming through the Forbidden Door, an underrated Britt Baker and uh, Chris Statlander match, uh, match of the year, obviously, in Bucks and Bros. Uh, CM Punk returning to wrestling against Darby, Omega and Christian Cage having another forgotten four-star plus match, and then the debut of Ruby Soho, Adam Cole, and Brian Danielson. And you're I think forgetting someone. Makes, what's you're that? For, you're forgetting someone. Who the fuck did I forget? Oh, big Paul White. Oh, that's and right. Q- the Q-T Marshall. Show. Yeah, QT Marshall. They stole the show. Well. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we were very sober throughout that show. <laughs> we Definitely. were well behaved uh, in this event. But no, and, I, and, and like I think what differentiated um, us going on the side of All Out versus Full Gear as pay-per-view of the year, All, All Out had so much anticipation. And when you had all these new debuts, I think fans like anticipation even more than the payoff at times. And it just felt like what could happen with this company. And it felt like this was the coordination and the kickoff to the new version of AEW. Um, And it really felt like, okay, now they have a legitimate chance of being a viable other brand that isn't going to go dead in two years. Yeah. And when you, when you look at, 
you know Danielson coming specifically. I, I think I think Punk was was mind blowing when the when the rumors first came and we're talking about it. I think uh, I was actually at the Dynamite show in Dallas at the time when we saw the rumor come up originally, and I showed it to to one of my buddies I was with. And he's like, I'm I'm done believing those rumors. I'm I'm done getting excited about this. That's that's not going to happen. I'll believe it when I see it. And then we saw it, and it was you know we'll we'll talk about that stuff later. And we saw him come, and that that legitimized the biz the company for sure. But we also knew that that Punk hates WWE or hated them for a very long time. So for me, seeing Brian Danielson make that jump was the like the moment of like oh this is this is real like I, we've been fans since day one or even before day one we we watched uh the original all in together uh but being being able to sit here and say that a guy who was in the wrestlemania main event a guy who's won who's ended wrestlemania's as champion uh chose to make the move to go to aew at this time it was kind of it was a little bit of proof that that this is a legitimate thing and, and this isn't just going to go away in a few years. He Danielson wouldn't have risked any like wouldn't have risked his legacy to go jump to a company that's not going to be able to pay their bills in two years. So that it really there was a le- added legitimization there. I thought the way that they closed the show with the double debut of Cole and Danielson was great. Um, just everything that they did that night, I think was perfect like they they could take away a handful of things and it still would have been an amazing pay-per-view that's what's crazy about it i'm used to watching pay-per-views uh where it's like oh wow there was a couple of really good things that happened otherwise you know eh, whatever that show was just wall-to-wall fun chris um and and entertainment and i i just i don't know that i've ever been happier after watching a pay-per-view like as much as i enjoyed full gear and i loved seeing the coronation of hangman just the feeling that i had after watching all out is something that i don't know that i'll ever get again as a wrestling fan because everything came together in such a perfect kind of moment in terms of adam cole's contract expiring danielson jumping cm punk making his debut just an absolutely memorable show and and one that um you know, I think in in twenty years, when I'm, you know, telling people about my favorite my favorite wrestling shows of all time, it'll be the first thing that comes up still. Yeah, we uh, we definitely made a day of it. Had a nice little boys' day throughout the whole all out day, um, but throughout that four four and a half hour pay per view, it was a euphoric event. It just match after match continues to be better than the last, and then you just keep topping it off with two new de- debuts that you just, how can this get any better? And it continued to show you how. And it was just kind of a feeling that lingered with you afterwards that no doubt this was pay-per-view of the year. Um, and as Chris kind of mentioned, uh, anticipations that don't really pay off all the time. Uh, with this award, definitely not going to be a possibility because we have rookie of the year and undoubtedly it's hook. Uh, it was a huge debut, almost a pay-per-view level anticipation hype within the week when this was recorded and then debuted on uh, Rampage. Um, he turned out to be everything we kind of thought he might be. Uh, he was awesome with his style, his look, his intro, his cockiness. Um, 
there could be some debate for some other people. I'm sure. I think uh, we had a little little tiff in the the choosing of this one, but I just think undoubtedly it was Hook. Uh, and he tr- truly feels like a rookie, like true blue rookie. Uh, we we hadn't seen him anywhere other than just standing there eating a bag of chips with his hair crazy. Um, it's awesome. The, he of course got a little bit of shit with his no selling of that move, but it just kind of builds his character. And I think there's nothing but great things coming up for the rookie of the year hook. Yeah. So throughout the year, I thought this word was going to Dante Martin and he put on a hell of a resume uh, and he became a new star and everyone fell in love with him as a wrestler and performer with his moves. And so that's kind of where I was leading, but I really don't have a problem with hook winning this award just because it did feel like such a revelation that we had a star um, come out and immediately just from the moment his entrance hit, you're like that fucking guy's a huge star. Uh, and it and it felt something that was so unique and new and different. And uh, as great as Dante Martin is in the ring, he doesn't have that star power that Hook has, where Hook looks like he's legitimately going to be a world champion one day, and it could be believable. And the only comparison I can kind of give him in a weird sort of way is when Rock debuted in 96, and it was like, okay, this gimmick is stupid, but I have a feeling he's going to be a top guy very soon. Hook has that same type of look and vibe to him. Uh, as much as I like Dante Martin, I think Hook came in at the last minute and uh, put the fucking red rum on his dream. Yeah, he suplexed him right out of this first spot. I think um, <laughs> when I when I was when I was kind of coming up with my list, um, I think I originally I had Dante Martin penciled into this for the longest time. But what stood out, and you kind of just touched on it, Chris, was the fact that Hook feels like a star. Um, and I think that he's got, for myself, a a style uh, of wrestling that I am more interested in, um, you know, in terms of what I think, like, long-term lasts. Like, Dante Martin is incredible, super talented, super athletic, but... I'm not overly into that type of a wrestler, that high flyer. Like I, I enjoy them. They're fun. But I think when I think of somebody who could be a potential star in terms of truly being a top guy, I'm not sure that, um, I'm not sure that, that Dante has that. And I think also, and we've talked about it before with Dante, his facial, he doesn't have like the facial expressions down. He doesn't really have kind of the acting side of wrestling down in my eyes yet. And when I look at hook, he looks like, he he looks exactly how he wrestles and he like his face is just always like he just looks pissed off he he looks like he's going to he's going he's there to ter- tear your head off and then put you in a red rum and to that's me, the that first was thing what you notice with hook is is is, is his facials he's intense in, yeah thing. yeah you know yeah, he's, you know, a, like, he's he knows he's a star he's there to do business exactly like and that to me is what differentiated him over Darius or sorry Darius is his brother Dante um Dante Martin was just the fact that he's already got that next part. He's already got that star feeling. Whereas Dante, I'm not sure that he'll ever, he'll ever really truly get to that next level. And, and I mean, if his level is where he's at now, that's super impressive because he's, you know, he's still super young as well, but um, both, I don't think either would have been a bad choice. I just think hook has more of the presentation. So, um, well, moving on, I'm I'm actually next up. I will be presenting the tag team of the year. And this year, I think there was a lot of good there was a lot of good opportunity. Uh, we had two tag teams win the match of the year, uh, but or 
but neither of them won the uh, tag team of the year. And our tag team of the year this year was FTR. I think that the reason I chose FTR here is something that we've talked about a lot on the show. They mesh so well with every single tag team they face. They do a great job of being able to take a loss, make another team look good, and still keep their heat. But you also saw them have a really good year. They they debuted at a time when there were no fans last year, and they kind of got hot-shotted into that title scene, held the titles. They kind of hot-shotted even the Young Bucks versus FTR. I'm sure we'll be coming back to that sometime soon, all within that 2020. And as much as they were good during that time, they weren't really quite what everybody probably was hoping for FTR to be at quite yet. And I think 2021, they have been that. They've been that team that everybody said they need to leave WWE and go do their own thing. They've been that team now. They've been that team that proved themselves. They've been, you know, they've joined now the pinnacle. Uh, it's so cool to see two guys that are such fans of old school wrestling be paired up with Tully. And, you know, they, you could tell that they just love that. And seeing them with with uh, with MJF and kind of all the other stuff they've done, they've won the AAA tag titles now. Um, I think that they've just had an outstanding year and they've really, I, I don't know that I can cite another uh, wrestler other than Cody who went from WWE to the Indies and then helped form AEW. I, I'm not sure I could put a better um, example of somebody who truly bet on themselves and and came out on top. No, man, you said everything I was going to say. I mean, I, I really uh, do think they just have, similar to Hook, they stand out as stars and they carry every tag match or trios match or eight-man tag that they're also in. Um, and they have a presence of tag team wrestling is vital. It's important. It means something. Um, and they do a great job of capturing, I want to win because I want to be the best at what I do. And this matters and this is real. Um, and don't fuck with us too. At the same time, being chicken shit heels, we had so many good moments of them um, cowering and looking like cowards and babying and so forth like that too. That I loved in their facials. Uh, Cash has grown tremendously as an in-ring actor, um, and he can sell with the best of them and also show his ass in a funny way. Um, and Dax is just a big old cunt, and I love it. Yeah, they uh, and if anything, of all the tag teams in there, they they kind of almost feel the top of like a brotherhood in the tag team and half of these are actual brothers and they're not um, just great chemistry between themselves and anyone they step in the ring with. Uh, it's pretty fitting that they would join a, a stable like the four horsemen uh, with Tully. Uh, they undoubtedly great matches. I keep saying undoubtedly on this uh, year end be uh, award show probably because it is undoubtable. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Just, it's, yeah, it's undisputed. 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 Right? Yeah, undisputed elites. But uh, yeah, just fuck the revival. They're great. <laughs> All right, cool. So let's go into what we thought was the angle of the year. And we thought unanimously it was CM Punk and Eddie Kingston storyline. So this was a storyline that was so powerful because of how deceptively simple it was. Uh, started off with a simple interruption of a promo by Kingston, who was pissed off after a loss and came in and interrupted Punk when he was doing a promo. Certainly not the making of, um, okay, this is going to be the greatest shit of all time. But then they did their face-to-face -face promo with each other and used a lot of inside references and work shoots uh, moments. Um, but it looked like Punk came back to form. When Punk came back to television, he did have a, a little bit of a happy-go-lucky, just 
excited to be here kind of vibe. And he purposely hit that note a couple of times. So it would trigger this response from Eddie when he hit him with a no one wants you to be here line. And that made this feel legitimately real. And it felt like these guys fucking hated each other when you knew in real life they probably don't. Uh, and have no problem with each other, but it conveyed it and it looked very real. This was an intense feud that lasted all of what, two weeks, but it just felt like there was so much riding on the line. You had a reversal of roles from when Punk was in Eddie Kingston's shoes going up against a Cena-esque character now as himself. So it was like, it kind of went back a a decade as, um, you know, Punk took on shades of uh, John Cena and Kingston took on shades of Punk. And Kingston also came out with that wonderful article on the Players' Tribune to really make you want to root for him and think that, okay, is he going to beat CM Punk? And they had a very brutal in-ring match at full gear that was a four-star match. Uh, Some have rated it higher. It was quick and short and intense, just like the feud itself. Uh, They did everything simple, and sometimes simple shit works, and you don't have to overthink everything. You can just make the fans believe that there's real realism to it, and you'll get pulled in. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this angle? Yep, they uh, they kept it simple, but they also had layers of it that were for the hardcore fan. So like you mentioned, with there being kind of that whole tie-in with it having shades of punk being in a role reversal type of a, of a situation. But if you hadn't seen that, you you didn't feel like you were missing out on the feud at all. Uh, but if you had seen that and you were a part of that, then you kind of got to see another layer of it. So that was cool. And I think... In that match, you pretty much saw a kind of almost like a double turn just for that match of Punk got booed by the, that crowd at full gear. And the fact that CM Punk can be gone for seven years, have the reception that he got back in August, and then by November have an entire crowd booing him because he's beating up uh, you know, the guy that they like. I think that that just says so much about his ability that he still has. And um Eddie has been one of the best signings that they've had. Um, you know, he came in on something that was supposed to be a one time off, but I think everybody, I, I don't know anybody who thinks that uh, Eddie isn't a great contributor to the, to the company and isn't um, something that you could slide into any moment. You know, you could put Eddie, you could heat him up and go have him go against hangman in a few months and everyone would believe it and, and people would love it. And I think that uh, it's just been so cool to see what he's been able to do over the last year, year and a half. And uh, it was an incredibly quick um, angle, but effective, and it did its job. Yeah, like you guys said, it was simple, it was quick, but it was very personal, and it was able to draw you in within moments. And it's everything we wanted to see with the return of CM Punk, and it's that's perfect for the moment of the year, which we've talked about the the pay-per-view, the moment, the person it's CM Punk coming back after seven years of being off doing, I think, I think he went to the UFC. I think that happened. I don't know the results of any of that, but he came back to wrestling something that we thought would never actually happen. He, but finally the promotion exists and the people in it are great. And it, he was willing to come and kind of some of it was from the, the way they handled situations like wrestlers privacy and moments of medical issues and stuff. So I'm glad he's finally getting something that he's wanted in a time when he was at WWE. Um, we, you'd be lying if you told yourself that there was anything bigger than this. I know Nick Gage was on live television, but 
this is something that wrestling fans have been clamoring for for seven years. If you know anything about wrestling, it had to be the moment of the year. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, this was the moment that I was looking for from the moment AEW launch was I hope they can get Punk and I hope they can convince him to come back. Um, and they did it in all the right ways, calling it the first dance, booking the United Center, which is, I don't know, it's a big arena. That's not a small, um, you know, 16,000 seater. That was the largest attendance for an AEW show um, at that time. And it was quite the atmosphere that was unforgettable, unforgettable. And he cut a masterful promo and it made you feel excited to be a wrestling fan again. And Punk supposedly just kind of improv that and winged it uh, and spoke from the heart. And that made it all the more impressive. And it was one of those nights that make you unembarrassed to be a wrestling fan. It was another one of those, you know, I, I said it with all out earlier, but another one of those moments that I'm, I'm just always going to remember it as long as I'm, even if I were to ever move away from being a wrestling fan, which I feel like I'm cursed with it at this point. Um, I'm going to be a wrestling fan forever. And, and I'm always going to remember the night that CM Punk returned to Chicago. Um, you know, we only live about five hours away and I had considered at one point, Maybe it was worth going down to Chicago for that. Um, kind of regret that I didn't, but at least I didn't live down the street from it. Like when Chris missed uh, his Money in the Bank match. Yeah, that was um, a smart choice. <laughs> but uh, no, it was just a spectacular moment. And one of those things that I don't know that you can ever really replicate in terms of a, a debut that was kind of a surprise, but not really a surprise. The, the, the worst kept secret that you could ever uh, have. And I'm glad that they didn't try to go the route of having... Uh, MJF come out to his music or anything like that, or like anything, like any type of a swerve. I, they just straight up just hit his music and had him come out and it was perfect. I don't think that, um, I don't think that there's a better, a better way to debut him. Moving on to the more negative, uh, of our awards that we have, it is time for the cringe of the year. And if you are a betting person, I'm sure that you can probably guess what this cringe is going to be. It is the booking of one Cody Rhodes and his just kind of self-involved inability to really dedicate himself to one side of uh, the heel or face area. Um, I think that Cody is a super talented wrestler. He has a good mind for the business, but there's just a, a true inability for him to commit to being a heel, which is weird. I'm hopeful that this recent TNT title win is actually going to change that tide, but I don't really know because he's kind of in this feud with the men of the year. So that would lead me to believe that that's not going to be the case, at least for right now. But um, when you think about... Uh, what people's fears were when they started this company and the EVPs were the Bucks and Cody, it was basically a booking that looked a lot like this with Cody. And I'm hopeful that we see that change. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say like the heel and face thing doesn't bother me so much as the, um, the self-involvement and it's the fact that it's in his own universe. And each week it just seems like he's making things up to make himself look good. And in the meantime, he buries uh, a go-go, buries Andrade and buries Malachi Black. And anyone who he feuds with doesn't come out looking the same and they need to be reheated. Um, it's okay at times to have these winking moments of am I a face or am I a heel and tweener things. Because honestly, let's be real, the TNT title is made for a tweener. That's what makes it successful. If it's an open challenge and you have surprises coming in eventually, 
fans are going to look for that surprise more than they're looking for you. And there's going to be times when they want to boo you and cheer you. And that is a perfect title for that. Um, but what's not perfect is when you have to restart every character that feuds with you because you swallow everything uh, and absorb all that they do and take their heat away. Uh, that Andrade match was an abortion uh, and just awkward to watch. And then um, surreal, but fun and crazy was his promo about breaking the fourth wall and doing the pedigree, which was like, I never thought I'd see that in wrestling. And then it got completely abandoned, much like the weird segment with Arn and the tie when he was breaking and entering on his property. There was a lot of just awkward shit that went on with him this year as he was really trying so hard to um, connect with the audience. He cares so much. He's passionate about what he does but it's just not landing. And uh, you can see that it's hurting him and bothering him to a certain extent. It does, I mean, that's how it resonates to me. Um, so hopefully he figures his shit out because he's a talented guy and he is someone that the fans do like and respect. Um, we mentioned this on the show before. I think if he went the route of Dustin, people would be very happy with who he is and would cheer him and be a true baby face if he had that stature in the company. But he wants to be John Cena, and he ain't no Cena. Yeah, you guys said it perfectly. And if you go back and listen, we've said it multiple times. It's he's gonna often create the cringe of the week, and it has to be definitely the cringe of the year. Yeah, um, and I and I hope we can get off this train. And that's something that like we 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 talked about before too. We don't want to have this uh, again one directional feud with a fictional character. That's just pathetic and weird. So we're hoping that. Um, the ship writes itself and we can do something with this TNT title reign and that uh, his character can evolve into something and stay consistent with it or be just consistent as a tweener and there's not an overbooking with every match. That Sammy match was we just going into last week's or episode, whatever, but um, it was a solid underbooked match where there wasn't any silliness in it. So hopefully... Uh, he can just be back and to be a wrestler that's just good in the ring, and that's all he needs to be. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that somebody can step up next year and be the cringe instead of Cody. Yeah, come on, people. Yeah, there's be a lot better. of shittier wrestlers out there. They need be worse. to fuck up and be annoying, too. Alrighty, so let's talk about some good again. Let's go into the best promo of the year, and this promo was the epic first meeting of MJF and CM Punk. This was on the 1124 edition of dynamite the special thanksgiving episode that was in uh punk's hometown in chicago they gave the segment 20 minutes um it was the first i believe 20 minute in-ring promo that they've done in a while and it just felt like the longest dual promo in some time and these two just shot from the hip and used a lot of snarky inside references and there were so many things that would pop the crowd uh and that were awesome to hear First, MJF calling, telling Punk that he looked like he was cooking meth. Uh, <laughs> um, Punk hitting him back with that he's a less famous Miz, which was a brilliant line. Uh, MJF coming back at Punk by saying uh, his eyes look like he needs to go to sleep. Hitting him with the hustle, loyalty, and respect line. And then Punk hit the coup de grace by talking about his... Uh, one-time love of Rosie O'Donnell. So uh, a lot of uh, inside references for the smart fans, but things that just really did hit. And these two uh, really did a great job of going back and forth. MJF is the greatest promo in wrestling. He's one of the all-time greatest promos of wrestling. 
Um, the up there with Roddy Piper, I think, as someone who can just talk on the mic and generate heat and get people to watch the show. Um, he's probably been the best since Punk. So that made this pairing and feud so organic. And it felt like a moment that everyone was waiting for. And they certainly delivered. Uh, and they had a lot to uh, go up against with the awesome Eddie Kingston and uh, Punk promo before it. So this was such a great angle, such a great storyline. And they did a great job of filleting each other for our entertainment. It's very difficult to, to, to cut a legendary promo but i think adding in the fact that the second everybody heard that cm punk might be joining AEW, that they started fantasy booking this feud and talking about what that promo battle would look like for them to have lived up to that and i honestly think exceeded it that just tells you exactly how talented punk and mjf are on the stick there's not a whole lot of guys that could go out there with that high of expectations and still break through it you kind of you kind of already cited some of the the great moments of it, but I'm I'm just amazed that uh, that they were able to to have a couple because they had a couple of you know dueling things that they've done so far, and every time it's been good and and I love that you know it was almost like MJF had to get as a character the whole UFC you know jab in there. Punk will call it calls it low hanging fruit or whatever, but he had to do it, and just the way that they were able to kind of quickly do that and then actually get into to MJF really truly shitting on him for other things. I think uh, Punk's been a great sport. I think I had a worry when there was the rumors of him coming back, the idea that maybe he would be, not want that type of stuff being brought up, like the UFC thing, because he's embarrassed or something like that. But I'm glad that they did. Uh, overall, just I'm, I'm so happy that we got this, and I'm happy that we got it as soon as we did, because I thought we were going to have to wait a whole lot longer. Sean, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, like you said, this is definitely what we were anticipating for once we heard the the rumors. Um, Kenny Omega was wearing a Cookie Monster t-shirt. Once we heard there was an inkling of CM Punk coming back, uh, MJF and him in a, a roasting battle definitely was at the top. Uh, Chris, you mentioned all the, the, the top liners. It was perfect. Like it just continued on. They had one little stale moment when it hit that Britt Baker weirdness and the couple later. But these two perfect on the stick and crush it every time. Um, and they both have a plethora of things to throw at each other and neither held back, but, uh, easily, um, one of the best little, um, promos of the year. And I don't think I can't really even think of anything that would top it, but here we are the last but not least a award for AEW TNT champion. Um, probably most dominating TNT champion this year, because we can't forget good old Brody, uh, Miro. He won the championship at, at, uh, at just episode of Dynamite against Darby Allen. Uh, a great match. And kind of right once we got to see Miro hit an actually good character, not that best man weirdness with Kip Sabian after he went off an injury. Um, he defended against a possible rookie of the year, Dante Martin, uh, had a pretty crazy match with Lance Archer at uh, Double or Nothing, if I remember. Uh, Evil Uno, um, like we were saying in the pay-per-view of the year, the match with Eddie Kingston. Uh, after that great match, two weeks uh, two weeks after, he loses it to Sammy Guevara, who just just turned it over himself. Um, he has some brutal matches along the way. I think he uh, he won Fuego Del Sol's like, car. He had to put that up in a rematch. Um, he had a a war going on with God and eventually that God betrayed him in his eyes. 
uh, it was really good. We never, we didn't get much more than pre-tapings and dominating matches, but he definitely earned the TNT champion of the year. You guys. Yeah. Miro was one of those guys that I, when they first announced AEW, I was like, man, I hope he eventually jumps because we saw it with Rusev day and some of the stuff he was able to get over, um, in WWE, he, he clearly had the talent and it just wasn't, it just wasn't translating within WWE. And then he comes over, starts with that, uh, uh, gamer gimmick slash best man, didn't really work out and then all of a sudden when he became the tnt champion and the redeemer and god's favorite champion just absolutely took it to another level um i i feel like he is one of those guys that um he's super believable he's just got uh you know he's got a body of what what body of marble neck of sand and I, I love that they built in that little bit of a, a weakness to him because he is such a big guy and was facing a lot of smaller guys like Fuego, Sammy, uh, and some others. And um, I, I'm really excited to see in 2022 where that where that goes. Uh, we just saw his most recent uh, promo that he did. I think it was on Rampage this week where he kind of talks about, again, you know, he, he's still angry at God and he's kind of decided that he's no longer willing to wait and he's coming for championships this year. I'm 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 really pumped to see the next stage of this of this gimmick. It'll be interesting. They've kind of kept him away for the most part, other than on in full gear when he faced uh, Brian Danielson. But um, absolutely loved the character. It's been super unique, and um, you know I I was sad when he lost the title, but I think that he lost it to the right person at the right time, really, especially being in Brody's hometown, getting, getting a face, the chance to win the TNT title. Chris, what were your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think he's the most dominating TNT champion we've had. Um, Cody, I think his initial run had uh, set the tone for what it could be in terms of elevating new indie talent or just new people to the company. Um, And then Brody obviously did a fantastic legendary job in himself and uh, was the first trendsetter of having a dominant heel uh, run with the belt and Miro took it and made it ki- kind of an amalgam of like when Rhino first came to WWE um, and when Vader first came to WCW I kind of saw shades of both of them just this unstoppable unflappable monster but he did have some vulnerability too uh, so I love the character I thought he did a great job this year and I think he made the belt mean something so much uh, as well so that's what you want out of the TNT championship um, to have a second belt be as meaningful as the intercontinental title was back in the day. I think that's ultimately like what the title needs to strive for. Um, and it meant that. So um, it's been a cool run and I'm excited to see who Cody drops it to uh, next year and see what they do with this belt. Cause I think this belt is a great way to elevate talent and uh, give someone a shot. Who's just not in the right position in the right time for a world title run. Awesome. Okay, so that is the Elites. What we want to do first before signing off, um, 2021 was probably one of the best years of wrestling ever in terms of surprises and in terms of big moments, uh, great matches, great pay-per-views as well. So we have a lot of momentum going into 2022. Um, What are you guys looking forward to in 2022? Um, I mean, right off the bat, we've got some live events that we'll be attending. So it's definitely something to look forward to. Um, I'm looking forward to see kind of what happens with the Undisputed Era crew. Um, Adam Cole is 
easily able to be the number one heel in any any company. I can't wait to see him really shine in his asshole shit eater ways. And I would love to see some Red Dragon tag team champions. FTR, Red Dragon. That'd be fantastic. What about you guys? Yeah, but beyond the, uh, the the live shows, I think there's so many feuds that we haven't seen and there's so many fresh things that we could see in AEW and all the, all the talent that they've signed over the last six or so months to see them really truly take that next step for what that, what their characters are going to do or what, what they're going to do. Adam Cole has been kind of feuding with uh, jungle boy, um, also Jurassic express and, and Christian for quite a bit of time and then moved on to the best friends now and to see him once he actually steps up and goes into that main event scene, I'm really excited for. Uh, same thing with just Red Dragon in general, and kind of seeing you know where that next step. I think one of the the other bonus episodes that we've talked about doing is the next four pillars, and kind of seeing people step up and put themselves into that place over the next year is going to be really exciting. Yeah, I'm excited again to go to the aforementioned shows that we're going to be attending. So we'll be in Cleveland. Uh, later this month and January, later next month, excuse me, in January. And then we'll be in Dallas for WrestleMania both nights. Uh, hopefully nothing gets canceled and there's no COVID issues that are going on. So hoping that COVID gets squashed and that we can finally fucking move on. That's what I'm really looking forward to 2022. And then time to devote back to the website um, after taking a little bit of a break, uh, working on some other things. So Excited about that. And then, like you mentioned, this roster stacked. Uh, I think one of the criticisms that AEW got in 2021 was they were signing so many folks. Uh, The way I look at it now, it's almost kind of like no one ever complains about the size of UFC's roster. Um, And that's what this resembles to me. No one one complains about the NFL roster. Uh, A real sports league is going to have a lot of talent on that roster. So you have fresh matchups and entertaining television as much as possible. So I'm excited to see the crazy combinations and feuds and who gets pushes, who will get an opportunity to be a TNT champion, what type of rung will hangman have. It's going to be a fucking amazing 2022. So looking forward to documenting it with the uh, three of you fellas. Uh, I'm also the two of you fellas. What the fuck was that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm also looking forward to uh, seeing who's next on saying Brian Danielson's name wrong gets to uh, sing some Bailey. But other than that, we've hit it all. Yeah, I thought of some punishments. So we'll debut that at some point in 2022 with some ideas like for other types of punishments we can do. Um, one Spin of them a wheel, make the deal. Yeah. Oh, God, we could do that. Yeah, it'd be great as well. All right. Well, that'll kick us off for uh, 2021. Thank you so much for spending your time listening to our show and visiting our website. We truly appreciate it. Um, we're looking to expand and do more content next year and we couldn't do that if we didn't have your support. So thank you for giving us your ear and your eyes, uh, and take us with you at some point in your day. And hopefully we make your day a little bit brighter talking about our guilty pleasure. That is professional wrestling. So, uh, Rick rude, take us home, buddy. Hit the music.